Last time, we're going to, I'm going to jump ahead here to uh, last time we talked about, we'll get back to that. We talked about the testimony of John the Baptist and, and uh, the story, and, and that's why I asked uh, Orlando to share some of his story as well. He could have, you know, he, he could have given us a whole lot more, and, uh, you know, but how God works in a person's life and, and how God was working in the life and the story of John the John the Baptist, and you know, but every one of us has a story. And the question is, what's your story? And is God, can you look back in your life and say, yeah, God's doing something, and I have been changed. I have been born again. I have become a new creation that we heard him mention there. Is there any evidence? I, I like that statement. Well, I don't really like it, but I think it's true, you know, that, uh, you know, if they if they looked at our lives, is there any evidence that, is there enough evidence to convict us for being born again Christians? Is there enough evidence that they would say, yes, it is true, They're, they are believers, they are followers of Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist, anyways, he, he you know, we, we looked at his story, and his story was, is fascinating, but but. Really, his testimony was all about Jesus. It was about what Jesus had done and who Jesus was. He was pointing to Jesus. He was pointing people to Jesus. The Apostle John did the same thing. He pointed people to Jesus. He, he said in 1 John, We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard. What we have seen and what we have heard. And that's, you know, when you, when you share your story, it's what I, what I know. What I've seen and what I've heard, I've seen what God has done in my life, that he's been faithful, that he's changed me, that he's still changing me. And some of you going, yeah, keep it up. He needs a lot of help, that guy. I was, uh, I was very moved, and I think uh, most everybody here was last week with Ken's story. Was that, was that awesome? You know, the story is about forgiveness. That's a tough one, to forgive, because we all get hurt, like he was saying. We all get hurt. So today I want to talk about, I want to look at some verses here in, in, in uh, John chapter 1 about the first followers. And, and uh, you know, it's this idea of following Jesus. How many, how many of you uh, uh, remember the game Follow the Leader? Well, we're going to play that now. No. It's a children's game, right? It really is a children's game, but there's something about it too. And, and the basic idea of playing that game is that you have somebody who is it, who's the leader, right? And uh, I haven't played it for a few years, actually for a lot of years. But, but you, you follow this leader and you do what they do, right? You say what they say, and if you don't, you're out, right? And then the last person that is successful then becomes the next leader, and then you start all over again. It's just a game, right? But there's something about this, you know, and the question I think, I, I, I think we need to ask ourselves and, and maybe use that word discern is, is who or what are we following? Who am I following? Who are you following? Or what are you? Sometimes we follow things rather than, you know, a who. But it's a very valid question, you know. Uh, you know uh, and, and, and these first followers, the first followers of Jesus Christ... That's what we're talking about here today. You know, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And, and what, how did that happen? What, 
what happened in their lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. So let's, let's pick it up where we left off here in John chapter 1, verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, The next day, John, that is John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. So John was there, and John had followers. People were following John the Baptist, right? And that's okay. They were following him. They did. That's all they knew. And two of them, they were called this another name for follower. You might use the word disciple, a, a student, somebody who's, who's listening to the teaching of someone else. And verse 36 says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, who did he say that to? He said it to his disciples, right? And they respected him. They, they you know, they, they, obviously the, for them to be his disciples, there was a, there was something they looked up to him about and for. Now, Jesus sees, excuse me, John sees Jesus, and he said it once before. He said it earlier in this chapter. He, you know, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he sees him again, and he says the simple statement, behold, or look, the Lamb of God. That's all he said. That's all he said. Now, sometimes we think if we're going to tell anybody anything, we have to, we have to be, you know, theologically, you know, taught for, you know, we have to go to Bible college. We have to study all these things to be able to tell our story. Well, well, John the Baptist, that's all he said to these two of his followers, of his disciples, right? That's interesting because look what happens. Look what happens. Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, what did they do? They followed Jesus. The two, the two disciples, they heard him say this. What did he say? He said, he said, look, or behold, the Lamb of God. And what did they do? They followed Jesus. You've got to understand what happened here. Who were they following? They were following John the Baptist. And now John the Baptist has this simple statement, and he points to this person, the Lamb of God. And what did they do? They left John. They left him. They left him, and they started following Jesus. You know, you have to say, well, you know, was that a little awkward? You know, was it a little strange? Was it a little... No, because that's the... John recognized, we, we saw this as part of his testimony, is he recognized that Jesus was the way. And so he was going to point to him no matter what. It's no good for... It's no good for people to follow just people. You don't follow a man. You don't follow a woman. You, don't follow, you need to follow the Lamb of God, the, the, the person, the Savior. But what I find interesting is sometimes we need to change who we're following. Now, was John the Baptist a bad guy? No, he wasn't a bad guy. He was, he was cool. I mean, uh, Orlando pointed it out. He had the same message. Jesus came along and, and gave the same message. You know, repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. Uh, John the Baptist said it first, and then Jesus came along and said it as well. So they had a, a, you know, 
a similar kind of message and focus, but, but John was just the man. Jesus was the Savior. He was the one. It's kind of like going from good to best, right? Well, John the Baptist, he's cool, he's good, but the best is the best, and Jesus is the best. Don't ever follow a person. Don't ever follow a man. Jesus is the one that we need to follow. And if, if you know, the, the, the false teachers, and this is, you can see this, you can look around even today where you have these guys and what they want is you to follow them. They, they want to draw disciples after themselves. They're not pointing you. It's, it's all about how much, you know, attention that they can get, how much money they can get, how much of the focus can they get upon themselves. That's, that's the reality. That's what you can see. And if you have any kind of discernment, that word again, you can see that's what's happening. If they're not directly pointing to Jesus, there's something wrong. Look at verse 38. This is pretty, pretty fascinating, what, what this, this little exchange, what's happening, what's going on here in this section of John. It says, turning around, now these two guys are following Jesus now, right? They were following John, now they're following Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? Now, I don't think that's the best translation, at least for us today, because, because when I read those words, I think, it, I think it sounds like this. What do you want? And I don't think that's what he was saying. Right? You, you know what I'm, I'm getting at? Some translations say, you, what do you seek? What is it that you're seeking after? I think what he was really trying to say was, why are you following me? And even that, you can say that in the wrong way and kind of take that in the wrong way. But I think, I think he was getting to the point is, okay, you're following me, but do you know why you're following me? Because that's important to know. You don't just blindly follow. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Why are you following me? There's a lot of reasons. And, and, and uh, you know, people go to church for different reasons, too. You know, they're just curious. They have nothing better to do. They, they like, uh, you know, vanilla wafers. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that, that, that people go to church, that people are following to some degree or another, Jesus, but, but really the, the question is, why are we doing that? Why are we following? Do we really want to follow him? A desire to know him, a desire to, to be with him. Look what the answer is, and this is, again, this is kind of funny. In a way, it's kind of funny. Verse uh, the middle of verse 38, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says, why are you following me? And they say, where are you staying? Uh, we just wanted to know where you live. <laughs> you know, maybe they got put on the spot. They're a little nervous, what, whatever it is. But, or, or is it something even deeper than that? Because for, to be a follower of somebody... And, and, and this is part of the, the whole understanding of, of being a follower is where do they live? What, what are their lives like? Who are they really? Because who, who you are at home is who you really are. You know that, right? 
we're all, we all get to church here, and we put our church face on, and we're like, oh, man, I'm so spiritual. I'm so cool. I'm, you know, I even look good. But what are you like when you go home? That's a, that's a different subject, right? Okay, I'm making you uncomfortable, so I'll get off that subject, and we'll get back to Jesus. Where do you live, Jesus? We want to know. What's it like for you? I think they wanted to learn everything they could. They wanted to know where he lived. They wanted to see how he lived. They wanted to learn everything about him. They wanted to go and stay with him and be with him. Not just, you know, a visit every now and then. And I think sometimes we do that. Uh, you know, I'm going to visit with Jesus, you know, once a week on Sunday morning. I'm going to visit. But, but, but is it like life? Are you going to follow him no matter what, no matter how, no matter where? That's the question. What did he say? Verse 39. He said, come and see. Or come, he replied, and you will see. Come and you will see. Did he say, you know what? Uh, I don't really want you coming to my house today. I don't want you coming to where I live today. He didn't say that. He, was, he, he invited them. That is awesome. That is cool. Jesus invites us. He wants us to come. He wants us to see where he lives, how he lives. He wants us to know more about him. He wants us to be with him. Come, he said, and you will see. Come and you will see. It says, it says that so they went. And they saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. And it was about the 10th hour. So they spent the whole day with him. And it was like incredible. Can you imagine for those two guys, now, again, being with John the Baptist, like, that was a pretty incredible thing that was happening. They were part of that, like the, the John the Baptist movement was happening. But then they followed after Jesus, and then this is the, this is the true Jesus movement. This is the true Jesus reality there, like, with him. It talks about, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, uh, I think it's chapter 4, you know, it talks about, you know... Uh, a few of the disciples and Peter, I think it was Peter and John, I'm just going by memory here, you know, it said, you know, uh, they looked at these men, they saw they were unlearned, they were unschooled, they weren't that impressive, but they took note of them, and what did they take note of them about? That they had been with Jesus, that they had been with Jesus. See, it affects, it affects us, to who we spend time with, who we are with. You got some good friends, you're going to find good stuff. You got some bad friends, you, your, your life's going to be affected by that. That's just the way it is. Your heart, who you hang out with. And I believe as, as we're going to see, you, you get changed by who you follow as well. So they spent the, G, the day with Jesus. Verse 40 and 41. Now, these two disciples... It doesn't say who they were until we get to verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So Andrew was one of them. We know that for sure. Many believe that John the apostle was the other follower. We don't know for sure. It never says. But, but John, in the, in the Gospel of John, he never speaks of himself. He never uses his own name for himself. But many believe that. The first thing, though, that Andrew did, who was Simon, Peter, Simon Peter's uh, brother, 
The first thing that Andrew did, he, he, he went and found his brother, Simon, and he told him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. The first thing that he did, like, he, he was so radically changed by being with Jesus. Something he knew, like, this is the guy. He spent the day with Jesus, and he said, this is the guy, this is the one. As we talked about in the beginning, this, this, this term Messiah, this term Christ, which is the same term, one is in Hebrew, one is in Greek, and it means the anointed one. It means the one who's anointed to be the answer for, for all of us, for the human race. Not just for the Jews, but for, for the whole human race. So Andrew, he was with him and he said, wow, this guy, is, this is the real deal here. And so the first thing he did, he, he went and found his brother Simon, and he, and he said, Simon, we found it. This is the guy. This is the guy. Now, did he, did, he, did he have a theological education before he went and found his brother? No, he just knew, this is, this is all I know. I, I know that this is the guy, Jesus. He went, he found his brother, and he told him, we found it. It was a simple message, yet God used it. We know God used it because Simon Peter, he, he began to follow as well. You know, I think we're going to talk more about this next week, but, you know, they, they did some, some surveys, you know, how people came to be involved uh, in following Jesus. And, and, you know, there's lots of different ways, but, but 79% were affected by a friend or a relative. 79%. It was only 6% by a pastor. Boy, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> 79% by a friend or relative. And I told you my story, and it's interesting, or Orlando. Uh, my story, the guy that told me about Jesus Christ, his life was also changed and affected by that same book, The Late Great Planet Earth. He read that book, and he became a believer, and his life was radically changed. His marriage was saved, and... And all kinds of stuff happened. He told me about Jesus. You don't know. You don't know. Just you being a witness, just you, you know, you're telling your story, sharing your story with somebody of your family, somebody, a friend. That and you don't have to be able to, you know, uh, quote, you know, the Romans road or, or, or all the different points of the, you know, four steps of the gospel. Just, you know what, Jesus, Jesus is real, and he changed my life, and I met him, and I know him. Let God work on them after that. Simple message, yet God used it. Doesn't mean we don't learn more. Obviously, I've been learning and growing as much as I can over the last 42 years, and, and I still have so much more to learn. It brought him to Jesus. I really, I really like that because he kind, of, he kind of brings him directly to the source. John says, you know what? Uh, he did not say, you know, you know, I'll get to know Jesus and then I'll tell you about him. And, you know, if you have any questions, ask me and then I'll go ask him. Or Andrew didn't do that for his brother, right? He brought him directly to Jesus. And, and that's really the way it is. And you and I have to have a direct relationship, a personal, that's why they call it a personal relationship with Jesus. That means you personally. 
That's not just, you know, spiritual language, mumbo-jumbo. You need to go directly to him. You and I need to have a direct personal relationship with him, with Jesus, the one who has the answers. Look at the rest of verse 42. It says, Jesus looked at him, that is, at Simon, and he said this, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Jesus looked at him and, and, uh, and he, he already knew everything about him. He already knew all about him. He knew what his name was. He knew what his father's name was. You see, Jesus, being God, knows. He has, he has, he has all the knowledge about you. He, has, he knows all about me. He knows who my father was or wasn't. He knows the background of every one of us, what our stories are, where we've been, where we came from. He knows all about you. But did he leave him there? He gave him a new name, right? He said, I got a new name for you. Simon is your name, but I'm going to start calling you Peter. Now, the interesting thing about Peter, the, the word Peter means what? It means rock, right? Probably have it in your margin there. It means rock. And so he looked at him and he says, you're going to be called, I'm going to start calling you rock. Now, was Peter a rock? Not really. Not at that point in time anyways. He was like impulsive. You read his story, you know, in the, in the Bible, so open and honest. You read his story. He's like impulsive. He's like saying stupid things all the time. The rock, Peter, the rock. He's, he, he takes Jesus aside and starts rebuking him. Because Jesus talked about going to the cross. He's rebuking Jesus. Now, is that a rock? Like, but Jesus said, I'm going to call you the rock. I'm going to call you a rock. Why? Because Jesus knew what he was going to do in Peter's life. And Jesus is going to work in Peter's life. Jesus is going to work in my life. He's going to work in your life. He's going to do something if you let him, if you allow him to do something in your life. He gave him a new name. You know, uh, there are different people in the Bible. I mentioned two of them, Abram. You know, Abram, his name meant father. And what did God say your new name is going to be? Abraham, which means father of many. And, and at the time, he didn't even have any kids. He couldn't even have, they couldn't have kids. But God says, I'm going to call you father of many or father of nations or, you know, that kind of a big picture. And, and so he goes, whoa. But God did it, didn't he? God did it. Jacob. Jacob, his name meant heel catcher. He was, this guy was a, a manipulator. He, you know, he, he, he like, he was a, he was not that nice. He says, he says, but I'm going to call you Israel. That's where the name Israel came from. God gave it to Jacob. And it has some different meanings. One could be prince. One could be ruler. But God obviously had a plan for his life and he, and he brought about that plan in the life of Jacob. So I'll say it again, who we follow will change us. And it, it, it makes us who we are. 
People should be able to see and know that we're following somebody. We're following something. We're different. There's something different about you. You know, it's not going to be, you know, uh, tattooed on your forehead, you know, Jesus, although I, I think some people have probably done that. The other, the other side, people do, are going to get a tattoo on their forehead. That's a different story altogether, right? And it's not going to be Jesus. Who we follow changes us. Look at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, what? Follow me. Notice how the stories are different, right? Andrew and, and John, most likely, that apostle, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb, they started following Jesus. Simon, Peter, Andrew goes to find him and brings him to Jesus. Here in this particular, particular case, in Philip's case, Jesus found him. And he said to him, follow me. Everybody's story is different. That's fascinating to me. But I think the call is the same. And the call is the same to Philip as it is to you and I today. He says, follow me. He wants us to follow him. Those were the first followers that we see in, in the Gospel of John here. But, but you and I are, are called to be followers today as well. You and I are called to follow. I'm going to read to you some verses. We don't have time to look them up. But, but in John chapter 10, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He's the good shepherd. He knows us. We listen to his voice. John chapter 12 says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. John chapter 21, Peter and John are there and, 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 and you know, Jesus is talking to Peter and he turns around and Peter turns around and says, what about John? And Jesus basically said, you know, don't worry about John, you worry about yourself. You follow me, he said. Don't worry about John. He's got his own path. I have a plan for you. You follow me. Each one of our lives and the path that he has, the, the calling that he has for each one of us is different, is unique. Follow me. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus went to Matthew, the tax collector, and he said, follow me. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, and listen carefully, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. There's a cost involved in this following. You know, if you really want to follow him, this is what he said, if you really want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, you need to pick up your cross and follow, seriously follow. There's no room for any half-time, part-time followers. There's no room for that. I want you to turn with me back to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going we're gonna to close there before we have communion. Luke chapter 9, 
verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, that is to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. That's that's what the, the guy said. But Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Reminds me of what we we just read in in John chapter 1. You know, where did they go back home to? Jesus here says, you know, I don't really have a place here. It's not really all about, you know, what kind of of a, you know, condominium I have here on earth. It's really about, you know, where we're heading, where we're going. Where we're going is heaven. He said to another man, follow me, verse 59. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You say, well, that's kind of insensitive. You know, well, the, the, they believe that his father wasn't even dead yet. In other words, I'll follow you later on. I I got things I need to do, things I need to do in my life, things I need to accomplish. I need to make make a name for myself. I need to do all this stuff, and then I'll follow you. First let me go and do this and this and this. Let the dead bury their own dead, he said. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You need to follow me. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me, same words, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. But Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You see, it was an excuse. It was a a way to look back. First, I need to go back and do this and do that. There's a cost involved if you want to be a follower of Jesus. You know what? In John chapter 6, we'll get, we'll get to that someday. John chapter 6, you know, he, 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 he said some very radical stuff. He said, you know, unless you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be one of my followers. And they, looked, they heard that and they go, wow, I can't even like. And it says a whole bunch of them left following him. And, the, and you can read about it later, and the verse where it says it is John 6, 6, 6. That's interesting. They left off following him, and, and Jesus turned and he says, what about you? He said to you know, his disciples, the, this, this group, what about you? And he says, Do, you know, where will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Follow me, he said. Why? The only reason is because of what we've been studying in the first section of John chapter 1 is because he is God and he's worthy of of being followed. That's the only reason. He knows the way. So we're going to have communion now and and I'm going to ask you to go back and, 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 and pick up you know, the bread and the cup and, and come back to your seat and partake between you and God. Again, because it's between you and Him. 
It's not between, you know, you and me and him. It's between you and him. And, and you know what? If you're not serious about following him, don't go do it. If you need time to think about it, wait. I'd rather you waited. I want you to know. I want you to be serious. I want you to think about this. Don't put your hand to the plow and then turn back and go do something else. If you're going to follow, follow. That's what Jesus said. These are Jesus' words, not mine. No one's going to be watching you, looking at you, whether you go or don't go. That's, that's between you and God. You have a reason. Maybe there's something you need to do. Maybe there's, there's some point of forgiveness, that, like Ken was talking about last week. You need to, to get something right. And that's okay, too. He said, look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, who gave his life for us that we might have life. He was the true light of the world who came and, and that whoever would follow him would never walk in darkness but would have the light of life. There is no other light. There is no other way. There's, there is no other one that we can and should be following. But I know you call us to, to be serious about it. We're either going to follow you or we're not going to follow you. And so, Lord, we come today and, and we pray you'd search our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's something else, some, some, someone else that we're following after and it, it's not you. And we need to change direction. Maybe it's even something good. A good you know, a good moral life or something good uh, that we're trying to accomplish, but it's not the best. And so we come and, and Jesus, we, we say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We come to you to follow you. Why? Because you are God, because you are good because you gave your life for us, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who died on the cross for us, who was buried, who rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. So let's go ahead and take some time now. And you, by that step, by you getting up, saying to Jesus, I want to follow you because of who you are, because of what you have done for me. And you partake together, and we'll, and we'll do that, and then we'll close. So let's take a few minutes.